You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to another edition of the Peristyle Podcast. On a Monday, we've got to talk some USC Trojan football. Trojan's coming home uh, for the next month. Uh, they'll be in Los Angeles County the last four games of the season with a 7-1 record after defeating the Arizona Wildcats 45-37 out in Tucson. So we're going to talk about what happened to that game with the coach Harvey Hyde. We got him on the line right now. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, HarveyHyde.com. If you have any questions or comments for our show, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you can call or text us at 424-254-9141. And if you have the Apple Podcasting app, Please follow the show, Parasol Podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and review. That really does help to grow the show. Tell your friends. Get on there. Any of the podcasting apps you're on, we appreciate you subscribing, following us you know, on Twitter and social media, going to our website, uscfootball.com, all of that. We appreciate it, and we're in the thick of it, I guess, uh, two-thirds of the way through the season, and we got to talk about this game with the coach, Harvey Hyde. Coach, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, buddy. Whenever you come off a win and you find a way to win and you get the onside kick, I was a little worried, a little worried, but they got the onside kick and they brought their victory home and they got that first down that was necessary. And uh, you enjoyed your ride home. You enjoyed your ride home. You talked about your victory. You looked now to the future and you get rid of the past as far as what happened at Salt Lake City. And uh, it ought to be a good feeling over at uh, USC today. I would think it's a good feeling. And I know there's some USC fans that were a little, um, you know, not really happy with some of the way things, some of, you know, how it went uh, in the desert. You know, to me, this was a team that was beat up. We saw Utah play Thursday night at Washington State. They didn't even have Cam Rising. You know, imagine going to this game without Caleb Williams. USC and Utah came out of that game, even after their bye week, completely beat up. And USC was without the top two receivers, Jordan Addison, Mario Williams. USC was without your best offensive lineman, Andrew Voorhees, your best linebacker, Eric Gentry, um, you know, you're another inside linebacker. You only really had three that you were using, and you're out two of them with Raylan Goforth being out. And, you know, Corey Foreman is a rotational guy. He was out there too. And it wasn't just that Voorhees was out. They had to reshuffle the offensive line. Bobby Haskins, the left tackle, goes down later in the game. So, I mean, for me, you know, you, you get a win on the road like this, uh, you know, you, you take it. But I know a lot of USC fans aren't super happy about it. Well, you know, you, you always want to be uh, perfect if you can, and uh, obviously a win is the number one thing you want to get, and they got that. Remember now, you have a target at, on your back. When you go to Tucson, uh, it's a tough place to play, and it's homecoming, and everybody's fired up, and Gronkowski's there, Gronkowski. The whole, pa- the whole package was put together to beat the Trojans, and I think that's what they're going to see the rest of the way against everybody. And uh, that's what you have when you got the tradition that USC has and you're ranked and you're playing well and all the off-season publicity that's going on. 
So you're going to have those type of nights where you maybe don't play your best game and you have some injured players, but you find a way to win. Now, don't get me wrong. I was nervous during the football game as far as seeing what was going on. And, and remember, the receivers and skilled players that USC played against in this game were probably the best they're going to face the entire year. Let's don't take it away. I like Riley, the running back, the quarterback, and is a winner. He's a playmaker. You got great, uh, you got receivers, singer, and the rest of these guys. They can play, and they're fired up to play. So I really think they did a good job offensively. Defensively, they tried to slow down the Trojans. They did their best, but they're a little bit, uh, didn't have the same, uh, let's say, athlete that was necessary to do that. The same problem, sort of, USC had as far as on the defensive side of the football, as far as we've talked about this over and over and over. I don't know why we keep repeating it. And then when you lose a couple linebackers and key people, you try to change things around to correct it. And sometimes when you do that, you take players and put them in positions they're not used to. You take number 49, you start on defense, and you play him in the middle, you play him here, you play him there. And you really hurt his play because he's not used to doing that. You're trying to disguise where he is when he only makes, what, one solo tackle and one assist or something in the game. No, that's not good for your number one player. So, you know, you do what you have to do and you get by with it. We knew going into the game that you're going to get points on the USC defense. We know they're going to get points on it. Again, you get screwed on a couple of calls. And uh, those calls, like the end of the half, you you know, you get that touchdown down there, you get those points, and you go in at halftime with the momentum, the momentum and excitement and so on. They take it away. So there's all these little type of things that contribute to a football game, but the number one thing is the W is what counts, and they got it on the road. Yeah, taking away that momentum at half. We don't want to – I mean, I've talked about this, I feel like, on a couple shows already. If anything, I mean – the refer the Pac-12 officiating is bad. By I know USC fans don't like when I say I don't think it's a bias. I think it's just incompetence. Um, but it does. I mean, it 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 sucks when a, a call takes away from the game. And we've just seen time and time again. And unfortunately, USC seems to be involved in it a lot. Referees kind of taking away momentum or um, you know putting their finger you know there too many fingerprints all over the game. Uh, and it hurt Arizona too. I mean they're. There, Caleb Williams got a call like a, you know, unsportsmanlike or whatever it was, roughing the passer when he was going out of bounds, and USC was going to have to kick a field goal, and they end up scoring a touchdown on the very next play. So I think it's happened both ways. But when the refs get involved like that and like change the way the flow of the game's going, that's what I don't like. They're not supposed to decide who wins the football game. And what gets me, you have an umpire standing over the ball. The other officials are watching it. Okay. It's not like they don't know the rule. You mean none of them knew what was going on? None of them saw that. And then they huddle up and they decide that the clock just ran out. How can you tell me that? I tweeted out, I don't know if you got that at halftime. I tweeted out, because I do one after every quarter, that they ought to put a stop payment on his check. Okay? (laughs) That's exactly what, and, and I'll tell you what, I don't mind Lincoln Riley going crazy and off that, because here's, you're changing the game. That can make a difference in the win or loss and all the things you work for. So you can't allow that type of stuff to go on. Like, you go to instant replay for everything else. Why can't they ask somebody else about that type of play that makes a difference in the whole game? 
I don't understand that targeting this, that, pass interference. I mean, the game's being stopped for all this instant replay. Well, when the officials make a mistake, and they do on some plays, why don't they go to instant replay on that too, which they do at times on the inbounds, touchdowns, and so on, but on those technical type of things. Yeah, it was it was procedural more than anything, you know. Yeah, it wasn't like a judgment call, so it's just bad. And I know a lot of USC fans are happy that they're going to leave the conference. You can get kind of bad officiating everywhere, but it's just a different level in the Pac-12 for some reason. And you know, George Klyovkov's got to fix it. I think he's fixed a lot of stuff, or he's trying to. Um, obviously, you know, he got the rug pulled out from under him when USC and UCLA decided to leave. But holy cow, the officiating is bad, and it just doesn't seem to be getting much better. Um, Anything else in the game kind of stand out for you? I mean, this is second. So I want to give props to Caleb Williams, props to the offensive line that I thought played well. Now, Arizona's defensive front isn't very good. Their defense is terrible. But Caleb Williams had a career night, 411 yards. Said 10 passing touchdowns our last two games, both road games, you know, five in this one. You're out your two leading receivers, and you still throw for a record 411 yards, you know, personal best. Um, I was pretty impressed with what, you know, Caleb Williams was able to do in another great, you know, game from Travis Dye. They ran the ball. I thought they blocked pretty well. They didn't run enough, but they, you know, they ran the ball well. So, but you know, good, good performance by the offense, despite all those guys being out. Remember, whenever you run the football, you help, you help the offensive line, both in pass blocking and run blocking. You help the quarterback, Caleb Williams, because now you've got some action going in there where play action pass makes a difference. And it slows down on the drop back pass when he's back there. He had time to throw the football, but you run the football. And when it came down to winning the football game, what did they do? They ran the football. They ran the ball with Travis Dye. He's a winner. He gets he gets the extra yard when he needs to. And when it came down to getting the first down, who they give the ball to? The playmaker, Kayla Williams, the guy that does it all. You got to get the hands into the guys that can win football games for you. Those two guys, when they had to make a first down at the end of the game, they got it. They got it. And when you run the football like that, I think he carried the ball for over 100 yards. I think 28 times they rushed the football. Now that's why the offensive line is looking better. That's why why the play action pass will look better. I just wish he had a few more options on the play-action pass that they don't do. They don't throw to the middle of the field much. As far as with bootleg and the tight end, they don't utilize their tight ends in the middle of the field in drags and corners and so on, like a lot of teams do. But who am I to tell him what to do with his offense? But I'm saying, while I'm watching the game, this is what I'm thinking. And uh, I'll tell you, that's why they're becoming a better offensive football team now. Not that they weren't before. But the way you give him protection and you protect your quarterback and you make your offensive line better is by running and passing it, a combination equally. And I think it helps the defense too, you know, run the ball. Right? Like, I mean, you can. Oh, yeah, but you keep the football. You never got the other guys back on the field. Their offense doesn't get back on the field. And I've had games before when I coach where our defense has not been able to stop the offense. If they got the ball back, we're going to lose the football game, okay? So I either called the game or told my offensive coordinator, we're on our 40-yard line. You got four plays. Just go for it. Go for the first down because we can't stop them. If they'd have got that onside kick, do you have the confidence that they would have stopped them? They'd have won that football game. I believe it. No, I agree with you, Coach. Like that was This was one of those things you just felt like, Arizona's going to be able to move the ball. The wide receivers did a great job. I mean, they just 
Uh, you know, Jaden Delora did a really nice job there. So, but USC fans, seven and one, you take that coming into it. The next four games are all in LA County, right? You got three in the Coliseum and one in the Rose Bowl. Um, I think Pac-12 teams have played much better at home than they have on the road to get, you know, they have now a road win against a ranked team in Oregon State. Uh, Oregon State's now number 24. It's the best road win in the conference. There's not a lot of good road wins. Um, you got, I think Washington, I mean, Utah and uh, Oregon have like a road win over Washington State. Um, those would be the next best ones. But it's just not, you're not seeing a lot of great road wins here in the conference. So USC has one and, you know, a near one in, in Utah. And then, you know, you, you get away from Tucson and, and get a win there. So I'm, I'm not upset with this. I think, you know, you got Cal and Colorado coming up and you have easily could be nine and one heading into rivalry, you know, the two rivalry games. So I, you know, I, I, if you're a USC fan, I would just kind of like, Hey, you know, is it perfect? It's a flawed team. You knew that coming in, but to, to go from where they were last year, four and eight, getting blown out by, you know, Stanford and Oregon state and losing the Cal and all that kind of stuff to be in seven and one and, you know, essentially controlling your own destiny to go to the Pac-12 championship game. I think it's a big improvement. It's a big improvement. But it's a little scary, too, when you see the way UCLA runs the football. And now Notre Dame, this past weekend at Syracuse, decided they're not going to throw the football anymore. They're going to run the football. They run right. They ran right at Syracuse, dominated the football game. So you're going to be facing two teams that really rush the football well. And that now has turned into what I say really tough challenges now for USC. Because Notre Dame has discovered that they shouldn't throw the football. They ought to run the football. And they got those big linemen, offensive linemen. They run the different series and so on and make it easy for the play-action pass for the quarterback. And UCLA has really run the football well. And with Dorian uh, Thompson, too, uh, I mean, really, he's, he's a great athlete playing quarterback. So they're going to be a tough one to stop, too. But first things first, and that's going to be Cal and Cal is a scary team, but I don't see the Trojans overlooking Cal after the way they played against them last year in a game no one wanted to play in. And I think they understand too what's on the line with Cal, but Cal will try to run the football. If you were putting a game plan together to beat USC, what you do is run the football, keep the offense off the field, and hope that you could hold on. That's exactly what you do and hope that USC makes mistakes and helps you beat them. That's the way you beat them. And I'm not telling people, everybody knows that. Coaches know that. But that's the game plan against USC. 100%. I would do that too. Um, Well, why don't we take it, unless there's anything else you want to talk about the game, we have some questions, so maybe we'll just get to those. But uh, we'll take a quick break, come back and answer your questions. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, we're back here on the Parastel Podcast. We got a voicemail from my buddy Joan. Uh, here you go, Coach. Hi, Ryan and Coach Hyde. Uh, this is Joan Levis, and I have a question for you. I will try and keep it short. Um First of all, I want to congratulate the uh, USC Trojan football team on an incredible season so far. It's been fun to watch. It's been frustrating at times. Um, we all know why, but I just want to thank Coach Lincoln Riley and his team for elevating this program from a four, four and what four and eight team to uh, where we are today at seven and one. Um, I also want to say that. Uh, people are already upset about the defense, and I don't think they realize that uh, Grinch doesn't have a lot of depth to work with, and then we have a lot of transfers. We didn't get a lot of transfers on the defense. We got some great transfers on the defense, but we really just haven't had a ton to work with, and I think that, yes, we could improve, but we're miles from where we were last year, and, and turning this culture around and trying to teach these Young men, uh, things that they were never taught before in, you know, one season is tough. So let's hang in there and fight on. Thank you. Bye. I agree with you 100%. You know, one thing you ask your team to do is play hard. And if you watch the Trojans play offensively and defensively, they play hard. They play hard on both sides of the football. Full out go. And that's one thing you ask. When you watch a film the next day with your team, you look and you see who's not getting to the football, who's not running to the football, who's not finishing the block, who's not going downfield to find a second block or a third block. And you point all these things out. And when that happens, a pancake block, and you drive somebody on his back, you're pointing that out to everybody. Look at this. This is what we want on every single play. And the Trojans play hard. And like you said, uh, ability-wise, they try to make up their ability uh, by playing hard. They're maybe a step shorter or slower on the defensive side or not as big or whatever, but they play hard and they rotate the players in there. You can't uh, you know, make them be who they're not, but you can ask them to play hard. And remember, both Utah and USC had a physical football game. I mean a physical football team if, game. If you watch Utah play this, this past weekend, we didn't know the Rising wasn't going to play. We didn't know some of the great players were going to play, but they're out too. So after that big physical football game, there are players that are out, like Gentry and others, go for the others, because of the type of physical football game that is. It's very hard. That's why when you play physical teams, they beat you up. So, really, USC beat Utah up, and, you know, they snuck by Washington State. Well, it was a 21-17, but uh, that's what they both came off of. Now they got to get healed up, and Gentry's got to play, and Addison's got to get back in the game, and, and, and Williams, we didn't even know Williams wasn't going to play, yet the receivers stepped in there for it, and the rest of them did a great job, Williams, in that. They came in there. If we didn't know they had those other, other two guys, we'd say, wow. They got great receivers. 
So you got to look at the positives. And again, on the defensive side, as you mentioned, they got some rebuilding to do, but they're playing hard. And it's been the story of the defense to get the turnover at the right time. When they get the turnover at the right time, that's when the momentum changes. And that's what I call this defense. They make opportunities to get a fumble or a turnover to help to get themselves off the field. Yeah. And I think they're going to have some good opportunities to do some of that uh, in the coming games, home games, playing Cal, playing Colorado. I think you're going to see a little bit more of that. Um, We have a text message. Let's see. Yeah. From Eric, Sir Eric of Troy, our friend. He said, do you think we have already seen all the fancy plays in Lincoln Riley's playbook for the season, or is it possible he's saving some for the second half when the offensive line is completely healthy? I asked because, I've not seen much of the razzle-dazzle offensive creativity that is shown while watching Oklahoma tapes from previous seasons. I realize we are scoring several points, but I guess I long to see some uh, shake them up fool them embarrass them type of plays from guys wearing my beloved Cardinal and Gold. Surely we have the talent for it. What say you, Sir Eric of Troy? Well, you see it. You saw the reverse uh, in the game last week and it picked up 53 yards. Jackson uh, made a nice run. Did you see who was out in front blocking? And, of course, that's your winner, Caleb Williams. i never seen a, a football player like Caleb Williams. He's a complete winner. I mean, you can't coach a guy like that. He just does it himself. I mean, he's unbelievable. And maybe you could run a few more reverses like that to keep him more balanced, to keep him offside, and maybe throw a pass off of one of that. When they come up and stop that, that's when you can pass the football like to see him run a little bit more pistol, like you say, and, you know, run the ball where the back can see where the holes are a little bit better, but not that they're not doing a great job rushing the football. But a guy that made plays go, if you watch Cortland Ford, who came in and they ran off tackle a couple times with uh, Caleb Williams, they were big downs, and, and also Travis made a big down when they gave him the ball was the way he came around and found that other linebacker, found that defensive end coming to the hole. Did a great job. Young player, pulled around, did a good job in getting that done. And the more you play those things, and the more you do those things, then plays come off of it, like you're talking about. Trick plays, like the ball, he bootlegs out of that and does other things. But until you establish those type of plays, it's tough to put in plays that try to be home runs, let's call them, or plays that will catch him napping or whatever. So uh, you got to establish him, and once you establish him, some of those plays, like they were flowing to the football, the reverse was a great call. Okay, they've ran that twice this year, and they've made big yards on it. So maybe you should run it a little bit more. So you got to take advantage, and I've always felt you got to throw the ball in the middle of the field more. You heard me talk about that earlier. And defensively, you just got to play hard. But again, I think you got to mix them up, play hard, and take advantage of what you can do with the defensive side of the football. Don't ask people to do things they can't do. Yeah. We got a question. Let's see. This one's from Jack in New Jersey. He says, Ryan and Coach Hyde, especially Coach Hyde, now I realize that many of us USC football fans are getting a little greedy for success since Coach Riley has arrived and right of the ship. Please explain to me and the other restless fans how you have a bye week with two weeks of practice and not get the defense any better. Granted, some key defensive players were out for this game, uh, but you said going into this game, Coach Hyde, that USC's X's are bigger than Arizona's O's. So what is the issue with the defense? One, lack of depth. 
Two, lack of comfort in the new defensive scheme. Three, lack of overall defensive talent. Coach Helton left the cupboards almost bare. Lack of comprehension. Lack of preparation by the coaching staff or, or any or all of the above or something else. Uh, it's so refreshing to watch the offense perform, but I get so full of angst watching the defense get shredded time after time. Jack in New Jersey. Well, it's a little bit of uh, all of the above. Uh, uh, Talent-wise, there's positions that really, uh, I don't want to say the cover was bad, but these are great kids. Uh, but uh, maybe not at the level that the offense got the portals and the transfers and so on. Maybe the defense didn't. They've had more injuries in key positions, I'd say, on the defensive side where they don't have a lot of depth. I think when you try to compromise and do different things, there's lack of communication. And uh, when you did, like last week, and a lot of changes as far as trying to uh, cover up your, your, you know, your, your linebacker depth and so on, then you had more lack of communication. I used to always say when you change things and the kids start to question that maybe we're not good enough at what we do, and I used to tell the coaches, be very careful on making a lot of changes week to week because a lot of times these kids say they don't have the confidence in us. Last week, I think they were a combination of mistakes, playing out of position at times, and lack of communication. That's just what you said. And uh, plus, they went against a team that's a home run team, big play team, and the guy was on. The guy was hot. The guy was on. They made plays. So, and they ran the football. I liked the running backs. I thought they ran the ball well. So they kept the defense really off balance. So it was one of those games you're just glad it's over. Believe me, you're glad it's over. You're looking at the clock when it's about 10 minutes in the fourth quarter and say, what do we have to do to get out of here? Let's go, yeah. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. We got one last one. Our buddy Dan, class of 1962, he says, is it time... For USC to leave the Pac-12 now and not wait until 2024. The Pac-12 seems to be doing everything possible from calls by game officials to lack of respect by the commissioner and conference schools to make USC and UCLA lose, but especially USC. How could USC have few or no penalties during the first games of the season, but now it seems like the refs are finding a USC penalty on every other play? The new playoff format also indicates that the other 10 schools do not want USC or UCLA in a conference playoff. My recommendation would be to set up an independent schedule next year and find a network to televise the six or seven home games. I bet they would make more money than staying in the Pac-12. The Pac-12 and its bogus network are a joke, but worse, they're deliberately sabotaging the Trojans. Fight on and leave now, Dan of Class of 62. Don't really agree with Dan here, but what's your thoughts, Coach? Well, you know, it's good to talk about that, but it's never going to happen, okay? It can't happen. Uh, you can't fill a schedule that quickly. Uh, you can't alienate uh, everyone in the Pac-12 by doing that. And remember, it's a little bit different. Maybe USC might be able to do that because the president and the regents say, that's what we're doing. But UCLA, they got committees. They got regents. They got voting power. It used to be at Notre Dame or SC or Boston College or any of these private schools. You go in and you see the president says, that's what we're going to do. And that's what it is. But uh, not at uh, UCLA or Cal or some of these public schools. You can't do that stuff. So, uh, in, st- in fact, they're still voting to see if they're going to get let UCLA go, but I'm sure they are. 
why would you want somebody that doesn't want to be there, an unhappy person, and so on? I don't know. George is, of course, trying to save the conference and save his job. George K., the commissioner. But, uh, you know, I've always said if someone doesn't want to be a part of us, let them go. We'll find somebody who wants to be a part of us. So I know the Pac-12 is, you know, trying to stay alive and keep the people if they can. And I don't think that's going to happen. And I think you just got to wait around until it happens. And, uh, you know, cheer for your Trojans or whatever team you cheer for. And uh, and you're right. Uh, everybody's going to want to beat them more than before because all the reals, they, they call them a traitor and everything else as far as leaving and rooting the tradition and so on. But, you know, changes are there and changes are going to be made. And uh, remember, if you're a Trojan fan, over the last several years, they weren't really there cheering for the Trojans, okay? When the sanctions came, did anybody step up and say that's not right? Did Larry Scott set, uh, step up and call the NCAA and say that punishment is absolutely ridiculous? Did anybody do that? Nobody from the pact. And they said, this is our chance to get even with SC. They've been dominating. Now we can catch up and they're on 16 scholarships or whatever. So, you know, I look at the whole thing like say, you know, okay, guys, we're leaving. Good luck. Yeah, I think there's a lot of USC fans that are uh, feeling that way. But, you know, just wait till 2024. It's fine. I, again, I don't think there's bias. I think it's just more incompetence, but that's just me. Um, but, yeah, there's uh, a lot. not going to be a lot of love lost. Like, there's sometimes there's a breakup, and, you know, you kind of feel bad for the other party. I don't think a lot of USC fans are going to be feeling bad. If the Pac-12, you know, maybe they'll root for the Pac-12 to do well, but if the Pac-12 kind of struggles and – Maybe lose some more teams or something. Um, I don't think USC fans are going to feel too terrible about it, Coach. No. Ryan, let me ask you something. You see all these polls that come out. You know I do a poll. And I'm just wondering, if you were doing a poll, who would be your four teams Tuesday? Who's going to be your four teams that are going to be your top four teams? And where would you put USC? Yeah, I think... um, you know, I think Tennessee's probably going to be one just because of who they've beat already. Um, but I think, you know, it'll probably be Tennessee, Georgia, and Ohio State, and Clemson is my guess. Um, you know, undefeated teams. Now, we're going to see, you know, Clemson's got to go to Notre Dame. Um, you know, Tennessee and Georgia are going to play each other. I think, you know, they got – Oregon State's like – snuck in the rankings and USC, you know, gets a, a ranked win. I think USC might be like seven or eight in the, when the rankings come out. And I think that's probably about right. The curious thing, I think it'll be easier for like a USC to, to creep up than an Oregon, just because Oregon has that loss to Georgia that, you know, when you have a seven touchdown loss, I don't care what, you know, circumstances be, you know, be damned. Like that's a seven touchdown loss. Um, so I, yeah, I kind of feel like seven or eight, you know, but those would be my eye for who, who do you have? Well, my top four, uh, and I do my poll, ladies and gentlemen, like if I was still coaching, the number one team in the country is the team I at least want to be playing this Saturday. If I was coaching, I don't want anything to do with them. So if I had to play one of the top 12 teams in the country, that'd be my 12th team. And the way I have it ranked, I've got number one, Tennessee, because they beat Alabama. Number two, Ohio State, because they're really playing well. I think they beat a Penn State. Georgia, I got them three, yet they're talented, and they're the national champion. I'll tell you, it's going to be a great game this week. 
Tennessee and Georgia. And number four, I got Alabama. Oh. And a lot of people, they put Alabama six. I say, how can you put Alabama six when you got the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback? They lose on the last play of the game at Tennessee, at Tennessee, and you've got them number one. How can you? Sure, they got one loss. I mean, but record-wise, I'm not playing record. I'm playing the teams I don't want to play because I think they're that good. So my floor is that Tennessee, Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama with Nick Saban. I don't want anything to do with that. Number five, I've got Clemson, like you mentioned. And number six, I've got Michigan. Seven, TCU. Eight, Oregon. Nine, Penn State. Uh, I've got USC and UCLA both tied, so I don't have to go through them all. Like, I got Ole Miss in there at 10. I might as well mention Lane Kiffin. There you they go. can play. And then I've got USC and UCLA tied at 12. That's That's wow. exactly what I am. I think USC right now, with the way their defense is playing, would really have a tough time stopping any of those teams I just mentioned above, okay? And not that they, I want to put them number one if I can, but if I had to play a team, I guess it'd be SC or UCLA or Utah. I guess Utah's a very good team, too. Three teams from the Pac-12. But I don't want anything to do with the, the four top teams. I don't. No. Yeah, I don't think anybody does. <laughs> <laughs> the way they're playing right now. So no, 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 no. Gotta, we gotta get a little better. Gotta have a little luck. You know, like you gotta take your time. You can't expect everything to happen in one year. And people really get get going. Oh, we need to do this. We need to win this. We need to. You know what we need to do? If you're a USC fan, is restore the tradition of USC football, so you can attract these type of great players. Like they just got this defensive end from uh, Lincoln High School. Hey, I've watched him play. He's a great player. He's a four-star player. That's the type of rush guys and players you attract when you're winning to play on the defensive side of the football. They're going to have a good recruiting class, and don't think they won't have another good portal class. That's what you got to do. You can't expect to be in the playoffs. Yeah, it would be great if that would happen, but be realistic. I'm, I, one caller checked in and told us that you know, how well they're doing. Hey, accept the party, what it is, and enjoy it. And right now, you know, it's a pretty good run. Yeah, enjoy it. I think that's a great way to put it. Just college football's fun. We don't have that many games. You're winning. Have some fun and enjoy it. All right, Coach. We'll wrap things up here. Uh, it was great talking to you again. And uh, got got a homestead to, to kind of talk about going forward. But next up, Cal, homecoming. It'll be a crazy day over the Coliseum because the LA LAFC's got their whatever the cup is, the MLS Cup is going to be earlier in the day, and then uh, homecoming and USC Cal at seven thirty p.m. So it's going to be a busy day over there at Exposition Park. Wow, it is going to be a, a busy day. Maybe that's why they were going at seven thirty. I don't know, but I thought that game should be earlier than seven thirty. But it's a seven thirty game, and I don't like that for two reasons. First of all, it's a national televised game. But USC needs to be seen nationally, not just to be seen as far as rankings and Heisman Trophy and all this and that, but because of recruiting. They've got to see the atmosphere. They've got to see all of that as far as recruiting. And when they have, what is this, the second or third 730 game, Ryan? I mean, really, please. I mean, they got to be playing earlier. Yeah, it's another late one. And then there's a Friday game that's late. 
Now the Notre Dame game, you know, that'll probably be prime time, like five, five o'clock or whatever, five thirty, and then UCLA will be interesting too, because that could be two nine and one games. Who knows? That'll probably be a little bit earlier. But um, yeah, the same weekend, Utah's going to be at Oregon, so that'll be a good one. USC, UCLA, and Oregon, uh, Utah. So hopefully, it'll get some good, some prime time or like day windows for those games. I think that'd be better. But all right, Coach. Well, good stuff. It was great talking to you, and we will uh, talk to you again soon. And thank you, Ryan, and thank you, uh, all of our listeners out there, for buckling up and right along with us. And uh, have a great week, and we'll be back with you next week. Sounds good. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 